how long gone uh beautiful pre-thanksgiving podcast today we're we're switching up our schedule to make sure we deliver only the finest podcast no matter what day of the week fuck christopher columbus suck my dick i know something weird happened to you i don't know if you want to talk about it on the air but uh, a lot you know, of weird stuff happens to me you got a new know. car and then last last night you were kind of looking on the tire mm-hmm it seems like someone had placed one of those Apple Air tags to kind of track your location. And yeah, do you want to talk about it? Yeah, I was coming back from the park, and just mm. I'm very in tune with my vehicle. Sure, um, sure. You know, German the Nazi sled. You feel every bump in the road. You kind of get used to the exactly. handling and the steering and everything. And just something fell off as I was mm-hmm. making that turn on beep, mm-hmm. and I was like. <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna. I'm just. I'm gonna do a sweep. I'm. Pr- it's probably nothing. Yeah. But just for my sanity, and so I could kind of sleep tonight. Mm-hmm. It's a three day weekend, you know. Mm-hmm. I just want to be like. I'm gonna go out of town. I just want to be safe. So I did do a sweep. Um, and yeah, I found an air tag. Somebody popped me, okay. and I don't know who it is. I don't know which member of the Armenian mafia has been <laughs> watching me. Have you been? Have you been? Yeah, I mean that's the question. It's I think you've been coming over to West Hollywood too much. You haven't been kind of tapping in with your OGs. Oh, that's the problem. I've been going over to your sort of the more mm. dangerous parts of Los it's, Angeles. It's, it's the more dangerous parts, and I think that this is something roaches we only... and rats, bars on the windows over there. I think that one of the one of the bartenders that maybe you um, have a friendship with over at Hamburger Mary's was like, "This guy ain't going home tonight uh, without me." <laughs> Chris, I don't know uh, what is Hamburger Mary's. I've never heard of that. Could you tell me more? I've actually never been, unfortunately, but it's a well-known gay hamburger establishment on Santa Monica Boulevard. So I don't look. I've I've eaten a lot of burgers <laughs> at a lot of these little smash burger spots, and I've been like, bro, this burger is gay. But you're saying this is an actual gay hamburger? I I don't think the the burger itself can necessarily uh, have the a, clientele. The clientele, yeah. I don't think the burger itself is going to to kind of declare its sexual orientation um, before you bite in. Okay. Um, this is how we learn. Yeah, I just. I just want to make sure we all stay safe this holiday season, and and if you're if you're coming for TJ, that means you're coming for me, and you don't want that. I don't think you want those problems. But that being said, I I am verified on Twitter, but I only have what thirty thousand something followers. So if it could happen to me, it can happen to anyone out there. And I'm not talking about the normal people. I'm talking to the celebrity, yeah, uh, listeners. You know, I'm talking to the BJ Novaxes. I'm talking to the Emratas. It's weird because I saw that it happened to to another celebrity the same day it happened to you wait this is a, a crime spree this is a <laughs> this is a crime spree and i think you and x to the z exhibit need to kind of link <laughs> up and discuss who your mutual hater is so you so you have done some some detective work some police work and you're saying there's no way that these two air tag scenarios are not connected if they got if yeah, they got to me, they exactly. certainly got to X. Okay. And and I don't wanna I'm not kinda I'm not trying to check your pockets or anything, big dog, but it <laughs> seems it you know, I think X the Z might have a little more cheddar than you. Um so yeah. it, he took a pretty big hit on crypto. I got out. That's a good point. That's a good point. But I think that he has more whips than you. I'm just going to guess from his background in the... He does have more whips. They're not all in his name. <laughs> no, definitely not. He's got at least three babies' moms who have Lambo trucks in their names. But um, also, you know, living living here in Glendale, if you ever go over to the REI in Burbank, you know, it's next door, West Coast Customs. Okay. So I'm 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 less than 10 minutes away from WCC HQ. <laughs> this is feeling... This is honestly feeling weird. 
and I, I, I we got to get to the bottom of this because I I don't know something's going on. Yeah, because I because I think when I see this, I'm like the West Coast Customs guys will get to the bottom of this and make it all okay. But now I'm like, is the call coming from inside the house? There's no way West Coast could do this to me next to the scene. I, I don't, I don't, but you did get your windows tinted recently. Oh God. And I don't think you used West Coast Customs services for that. Did you Jason? No, I, I was forced by Vic, our driver to use a, a more <laughs> local establishment. If you know what I mean. Okay. So, so you, I think that you choosing the Armenian tinting service over west coast customs even though this might seem below west coast customs pay grade i do think that they they do some of the more you know i know you don't want a mini hot tub in your in your in your 350 Mm -hmm. but i think that like they do you know their bread and butter is probably window tending and they saw that you went kind of sideways and now they want they want to keep an eye on you and they thought maybe they thought and this is a wild idea maybe they thought you and x to the z were kind of in cahoots like we're fucking not not that you're fucking that maybe maybe x to the z was like my man jason kind of found this new tenting place their prices are a little better uh, west coast and i had a little falling out after the show was over you know i don't know i don't know what the possibilities are here but i just need you to protect yourself because i can't do this show without you and if you also if you try to replace mm-hmm. me with x to the z <laughs> i will kill you both i will easily kill you both they said hey them jeans i heard you like air tags wait no what is it hey exhibit hey them jeans i heard you like air tags so we put air tags inside of your car and i've been tracking your movement exactly and i just don't know luckily you don't really have anything of high value uh to speak of that's wrong that's wrong so i don't know what they would rob you for i mean i guess they could rob those dogs aren't even worth any money bro bro my art collection y- you're all right you're black Di- it's digital digital your black book that has a couple of of of, mem- <laughs> of graffiti legends in it <laughs> unfortunately um is not worth any money your dogs aren't even purebred pit bulls so you can't even get wetted up like gaga's dog walker there's you have nothing <laughs> you have nothing of value except your charming personality <laughs> And I mean, they could, I guess they could hold you hostage and put you in the basement, make you edit their podcasts. <laughs> but I don't think that's really going to, I have a lot of tote bags. All right. That's, <laughs> that's true. Of value. You do have hella totes and some are worth more than others. Some totes are worth more than others. Yeah. I, I want to know who in 2022, who really needs to know the whereabouts of X to the Z exhibit? Who's like, yes, he's my meal ticket. He's my way out. I, I, dude, it could be, but I think it, that's why I think it feels personal. You know, that's why it feels personal. Mm-hmm. And that I just want to make sure that this holiday season, not only my co-host, them jeans, but also all of you guys are protecting yourselves out there and making sure that you ain't going to get taken for your turkey. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. As as holiday season is approaching, we're traveling, we're on the go. And where's my mind? Anywhere but my safety lately is what it feels like, right? And this is where, this is where the predators strike the prey this is where they slip in bro anyway i I, i'm sorry to bring us down so early in the game um but we we are podcasting today um jason is is going out of town for a napa feast for the holidays um we have pre-ordered an erwan feast that i think is hitting for 350 (laughs) probably um okay that's not bad for a smattering of food that i don't really like to begin with well if their turkey is as dry as their rotisserie chicken then you guys are not in for a treat don't worry i don't eat turkey so it doesn't matter uh i will be having a a a smattering of delicious sides that i can have any day of the week um but you know it's special 
when it's um on on Thanksgiving, Jason. You're gonna have candied yams with buffalo cauliflower. <laughs> exactly. You're yeah. gonna have yeah the four. Uh, I, it was the pilgrims when they first came here. They shared with my Native American brethren. This is uh, I don't know why I'm doing an old Italian guy voice. This is <laughs> welcome to South Carolina. This is an ancient <laughs> food called kelp noodle Thai salad. <laughs> The ancient look. Some of these foods, some of these foods feel new, but if you really get into the history books, like Jason's pointing out, they date back to the early days of man. Yeah, kelp kelp noodles as a as like a pasta or a gluten free substitute. It might seem like a new invention, but kelp come from the ocean. Is there something that you know that's older than the the planet Earth's oceans? Great point. Great point. I don't. I'll know. wait. I don't know a single damn thing. I don't know a single damn thing. So it's a great point, Jason. I'm glad. I love when you get into your history teacher bag. My little Ken Burns. I'm about to Ken Burns a fucking spleef after I'm done with my work. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be on the JSX, Burbank to Napa. Woo, I'm going to be in wheelchair mode. When do you leave? Friday? No, I leave uh, I leave Thursday. Okay. Thanksgiving Day. My my girl is like the best the she she loves flying on holidays on the oh, actual I've done holiday it. day. Oh, it's the best. I've done it. I've done it multiple times in my life. It's it's kind of a it's what we call in the biohacking business a life hack. It's a life hack. Okay. So it's like it's like wearing the hostage tape while you're having sex. It's just like this is like the next level. A guy came up to me at the gym yesterday talking to Hunter and I about he's like, Have you guys tried this tape that help makes you breathe out of your nose when you sleep or Yeah, live? hostage tape. Yeah, bro. I know, I know. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, no, I haven't tried that. Should I try it? And I think the answer now is yes. Well, do you want to go splitsies on the How Long Gone MX uh, Platinum? Yeah, we can we can get a roll and see how it treats us. Yeah, because I've been trying to like the what what I want to do. Luckily, my girl is is walking the dogs right now, so she can't hear me. But what I I want to introduce it into the household as like, oh, this is like a workout thing that TJ is going to try. And, you know, I'm going to do my little thingies with the hostage shape on. It'll help me. I'm the kind of a nasal sinusy guy. It'll help with my breathing. And then, you know, maybe at nighttime, you know, maybe you could slide a little bit on too. Get that little <laughs> snore, get that little snore kind of worked yeah, out. You know? Yeah, yeah. See if yeah. it does anything. <clears throat> okay. I, I think this is a good way to introduce it because, I, I mean, you could put it in your extra large tote that has all of your little stretching stuff in it. You know, your little balls and guns and bands and stuff. Jason's got like a, <laughs> Jason's got $500 worth of stretching equipment in, his, in a corner in his house. And I think that if you eat the hostage tape, don't act like you don't have ephemera as well, bitch. I have, I have collectibles. That's true. I do, I do keep fitness ephemera. You have, I do, there I go, do. You got you, this motherfucker. You have the boots that you put on the whole legs look like the fucking <laughs> insert fashion brand thigh highs. You got, you got, you have like thousand right, dollar don't, don't equipment do that. in your house, and I have, I have some like little balls and stuff. Yeah, exactly. I buy the. I buy the real shit, and you buy the Amazon Basics version. We do have a guest today. Uh, yeah, we do have a guest today. Um, my my new friend Tabitha Soren, uh, who I met in Atlanta because she had a, a great show at uh, Jackson Fine Art. Thanks to my friend uh, Coco for the intro. But um, you might know her from her years and years on uh, MTV News. Um, she's now a, a photographer um, and has kind of made some strides. I got to say, she's mm-hmm. in museums. Um, you know, she's, her, her work's been published in the New York times magazine, Vanity fair, uh, New York magazine, et cetera. 
she's at the LACMA. She's at Oakland. She's in the New Orleans Museum of Art. Um, but the thing I've learned about her that is the most interesting so far, mm-hmm. she's in the "You Got to Fight for Your Right to Party" video. <laughs> um, so I, I wanted, to, I want you, you know, you know, she might have interviewed Tupac a few times, but I want you guys to kind of talk about your careers uh, as as music video stars because I think she might have you beat, even if it's just one video. She might have me beat if one liked the Beastie Boys, and yeah, my favorite, obviously. Um, just kidding. I hate the Beastie Boys, and so do you. But one of the worst. We can, of all we can time. talk about. We can talk to Tabitha about what uh, "License to Ill" was originally going to be called, and we can kind of go from there. Tabitha, thanks for joining us. You're on location. Is that is that correct? Well, I'm on vacation. On location. <laughs> okay, so your house. So that's not your house, is what you're saying. No, this is a uh, cottage on a place, a Thank very God. strange place called Smoke Tree Ranch in Palm Springs, a ranch that doesn't have any horses. Okay, so it was started by it was started by Walt Disney and his friends. <laughs> his friends, the Nazis. I like. Yeah, I like how you make it sound like his friends were under duress. No, I'm. I, I've been living on Smoke Tree Ranch for a minute now, baby. You know what I'm saying? The pictures. The pictures over my shoulder are pictures of it in the old days, with like Edsel cars roaming around and Eisenhower hanging out with Walt. Oh yeah. Because we live in we live in Berkeley, so we're surrounded by as far left as you can get and you come down to Southern California. It's like, ah, this is where the Republicans live. Hey, welcome. Welcome to the good life, baby. We're, we're still accepting your money. Okay. So don't come (laughs) at me and my fiscally conservative people. Okay. (laughs) Is this a place that you guys have been visiting for years as because you're Disney all parks past members, or is this just, no, 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 it it doesn't, it doesn't have anything to do with the park, but it does have to do with the fact that they, they don't let people in or, out who don't have some sort of membership or some sort of reference. So our kids, when they were little, could just run around and literally, you know, play in the way that people talk about in the 1950s. Okay, okay. (laughs) They just run around the desert and I could actually have a complete thought without being interrupted. Okay, um, It's like a secure grounds. It's like taking your kids to a a, a dog park is what you're saying. And you could take them off leash and if if they get past the thing, the the little thing will zap on their neck and they'll get a small shock and they'll come home. Yeah, you travel all over with just these little bikes. And anyway, (laughs) it made it easy to go somewhere. And I don't cook, so thank Thanksgiving was always my husband and I. I think we tried cooking once, and we cooked the turkey with the innards, giblets. Oh, no. I think they call the them bag inside. inside a bag inside the turkey. Yeah. <laughs> so we thought, you know, this is out of our wheelhouse, and we're too long in the tooth to try. Yeah, you should <laughs> learn new things at this age. I agree. I I, sh- yeah. I stopped learning new things years ago, and it's been better for me. So when when you go to this ranch, do you go there with your immediate family to escape your not immediate family? You know, our extended family's all on the East Coast, and mm-hmm. okay, it just was a. Lo- I mean, who wants to get in an airport on Thanksgiving? It just seemed a little ridiculous to go through all of that to get into a winter storm situation, and mm-hmm. oh, yeah. um. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at this point, we've got a child who comes in from the East Coast because she's in college there. But oh. it's all also very convoluted. Anytime you have two parents who have careers and kids with active lives, my husband isn't here yet because my son had a basketball game last night, but my daughter was coming in early. None of this is interesting, but family <laughs> logistics get more complicated the more. That's where you're wrong, Tabitha. The older I'm they get. more interested in this. 
you're saying it's a members only situation or you have to have a ref reference the little members only i mean they pretend it's not but <laughs> i think i think i count as i count as diversity as a redhead for sure okay okay <laughs> say no more <laughs> so you're well you're welcome anywhere in the grounds as long as you guys all have your papers is what you're saying i think like some sort of blonde will let you in without papers but otherwise <laughs> are you traveling with a blonde okay come on in guys a friend let we, me check we your travel roots here with a, another family and the uh family i think they consider them mixed race because they're jewish and italian <laughs> <laughs> I, okay. I love this. I love okay. this country. Um, okay. I, <laughs> I, um, want to go here. So if you're, I, you know, if this goes well, are you willing to be my reference? <laughs> I shaved my head by choice. I shaved my head by choice. My son has an extra twin bed in his room. You oh, that'd be, that'd be great. Him. That'd be great. I don't cook either, but I'm willing to pay for a meal. If that kind of, well, then no, they have the, the best thing about it is they have food. They have three meals a day. They ring a ranch bell and everybody comes around Whoa. and they have bacon for days. My, my son has like bacon, bacon and bacon for breakfast. And, uh, <laughs> It makes everybody happy. How would you rate the food, though? Is this like Vegas buffet, or is this is this Michelin star? Every no, it's better. It's it's really good food. Thanksgiving dinner is a bit challenging because everyone expects food all at once, and they they serve a meal that looks like it's from the nineteen fifties. But there's even mm -hmm, something mm -hmm. funny about that if you sort of approach your Thanksgiving mm -hmm. meal ironically. I really don't care that much about food. I don't have an eating disorder or anything. Yeah, you're my Tabitha. Tabitha, you're my you're my kind of chick. Food is for losers. I think it has you tell something them. to do with the. I mean, the people I know. I I live in a very foodie town, so mm -hmm. you know Alice Waters and Chez Panisse have infiltrated every restaurant to my benefit at in Berkeley, and so there's always you know formally at Chez Panisse chefs everywhere, and so my takeout is amazing, and it just is not encouraging me to try to do that at home <laughs> and there's only so many hours in the day anyway it's true and i have ex i have a way to express myself otherwise i don't have to do it through a meal that's there you go no this is this is ideal i've never heard anyone paint mm -hmm. berkeley in with such a beautiful brush before because before i was like oh it's just kind of like this cute little kind of sleepy town where everything's okay but then when you said like all the chefs who have worked at chez panisse over the years they all have to go somewhere else and start their own restaurant. So it's just like this ecosystem where the strawberries taste a little bit strawberrier. Maybe. And the the broccoli's a little bit better. There's a lot of um also there's a lot of Nobel Prize winners. Okay. There are parking there are parking spots that you're only allowed to park in if you have a no if you've won a Nobel Prize. No. Um, what? No, seriously. At, where? At what fucking kind of establishments can <laughs> they do Cal, that? But still, that's where you want to park in the Okay. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Okay. There's okay. there's not a lot of sarcasm. There's not like right. you know Chris and Jason. I don't know how you how long you'd last. We went there. We recently we recently went to Chez Panisse for the first time, like a, a less than a month ago. Oh well, thanks for calling. And I, well, it was a reservation for four. I apologize. And um, but you probably know Alice. Do you know Do you know Alice personally? Is it Is it no problem for you to sit upstairs? I have met her many times. I doubt she'd remember me, but she would remember my husband. Mm. As is mm. often. Oh, the case. <laughs> damn! All right, so having a hot husband—that's often the case with uh, with with Waters or your husband. <gasps> you calling Waters a hoe? She's a hoe. I, you know, I don't even. It doesn't even bother me. That's how little I care about food. You said, "Honey, you can have sex with Alice Waters." I don't even care. Do your thing. <laughs>
<laughs> my mind has never gone there, Chris. I say. Yeah, but I'm glad that you agree because we feel that the Bay, not not we we feel that San Francisco specifically is like a pretty humorless town. It's kind of been sucked out, um, you know, over the last couple decades. Yeah. But you mentioned that Berkeley is is void of sarcasm, so. Maybe the Oakland area. What do you think they're void of? Irony or something? Like every the whole Bay Area is humorless. No, I, I like Oakland. Okay. I like Oakland. My windows get broken into quite a bit when I try to park there. <laughs> but I mean, I had it happen twice in one month, so Man. it's not it's not in my head. Right. But Oakland has a zillion great places to eat as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of art there that I like. There are a lot of galleries. There are ban- tons of bands that I like to play. I don't think I could live in Berkeley if Oakland wasn't next door. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It's not far away. It's like ten minutes, no. as you know. Ten minutes. Berkeley seemed Berkeley seemed pretty idyllic to me as a person who doesn't understand Northern California. I was kind of like, this is pretty nice, but also I feel like I would get bored very quickly. Here's the thing: everyone there. Loves the mountains, the bay being right there, the mountains to climb, places to bike, hiking, camping. Mm -hmm. I want nothing to do with any of those things. (laughs) And I'm the only person, I'm pretty sure I'm the only person who will admit that. But what it does is leave me a lot of time to myself. No wonder you and Chris and you and Chris hit it off. I don't want to camp. I don't sleep on the ground. Hell yeah, let's go. I got allergies. I don't want to hike. You need you need an iPad and a couch, and that's it. I got books I want to read. I got music I mm. want to listen to. Like, don't tell me like, oh, I don't know what's going on in music anymore. I don't know how to do that. Well, you know how you do that. You listen to it. You buy CDs. You go see bands live. You don't spend all your time on the trail. <laughs> <laughs> she said, "Okay, so you're saying the the, the 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 my biggest takeaway from that is buying CDs. So I want to talk. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> or albums. No, or, no, no, like, no. I'm fine yeah, with it. I mean, I do try to. You know, I like spend. I buy a lot of merge." albums and like i try to support people in that direct mm-hmm. way yeah that's nice you know i also have a spotify account sure yeah, okay I, I wanted to make sure you weren't just you had a six cd changer in the song no I'm, I'm not totally precious about it but i do try to think about where the money goes because i think with covid a lot of mm-hmm. musicians you know had a really tough time i don't think i, I don't feel obligated when i know they have millions in the bank yeah you're not buying the taylor swift album on double lp to support her you're, you're good <laughs> yeah like but but I'm not going to bash Taylor Swift. I think, man, if everybody could write half as good of songs as she does, we'd all be better off. Like, I, she if everybody really had knows ten how people to, write, to write good songs for them, oh, we'd on. all be better. We'd all, I'm just kidding. I'm just. Kidding. <laughs> I, I actually I actually think Taylor Swift is quite impressive. I think the music has gotten progressively worse as her career has gone on. But it changes all the time. Every album is different. Yeah, but they've all. I don't. But know. But I think when she was just a like a pop star almost the songs were better than when she would like i'm gonna wear a sweater and be fake indie like that didn't work for me i understand that um um i understand i mean there's a lot to love there but you don't have to love everything well there's a lot of output so yeah i would i would agree it's it's there's there's something for everyone um country chris (laughs) you are one of the few people i know who appreciate you know i know so many cool 
hipsters who love music, but like really won't give country music a chance. And I, I just don't understand it. Give country a chance is kind of what I'm running on in 24 um, as a platform. And I do, I agree with you. I think that the, the, we talk about it a lot because Jason actually, I think Jason has a soft spot in his heart. He's from Orange County, which is the South of California. So he has a, he kind of <laughs> oh, has a Bakersfield. You got a lot of real country. <laughs> Yeah, Chris Chris got me into this guy Morgan Wallen or something like that. He seems pretty good. Shut up. But yeah, I mean, growing up in Orange County, it was funny because I noticed like all my friends and all the kids would be like, we're listening to punk and hardcore and, and hip hop. It was basically it. Like, what are the most extreme things? And we're going to listen to that. And then when we smoke weed, we'll listen to Sublime and all the stoner shit. And then everyone's parents in this beach town, Surf City, USA, all listen to country music mm. because that was the only genre that didn't scare them, I guess. And it was also white always. You know, there's nothing safe about Johnny Cash. Mm-hmm. The lyrics are like, you know, I shot a man just to watch him die. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything safe about hard, that. Hard as a rock. Are you sure now? that's not NBA Youngboy? I, I swear to God, I've heard that somewhere else. I swear to God. No, are you I mean, flexing? No, 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 I'm not. I just, I think that. Because I don't know I who think, that is. No, that's fine. NBA Youngboy is a very, very popular young rapper but his his fame is almost solely based on youtube i see he like is literally like the, the as big as it gets like outstreams everyone but it's all youtube based so he's kind of an anomaly in that way got it but his his lyrics would be more i shot a man at lennox just to watch him die <laughs> yeah exactly exactly he would put a little twist on it but i think that the um i think that country me well i did listen to what i consider to be probably some of the most formative music of my life was like whiskey town uncle tupelo wilco sunvolt so i think like that alone kind of gives you a baseline to appreciate rascal flats you know it's kind of a <laughs> mm. it's a it's a zigzag line but it's a fucking mm-hmm. line you know it's i think there's through. a lot of really terrible country out there too but what i appreciate about your podcast is that there's no genre that you write off completely yeah that's true um, that's true and, and i think I think we live in a very niche culture and I love it. I love that there's a podcast called Cocaine and Rhinestones that <laughs> sure, teach sure, sure, sure. you know yeah. the, the real origins of Buck Owens and, yeah. and the nasty things these people were doing and <laughs> um as well as the brilliant things. Yeah. And is this because you're a Texan? Do you think that's where your love I do I, I mean I think I think it's the um I think it's the cleverness of the story. I love, you know, like I think Miranda Lambert's Music is just very, it's very funny. Like the play on words. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I, I just, even if I don't like the whole um, output of a particular artist, like there's this song and I can't remember the name of the, the singer, but he said, like, it's called You Broke Up With Me. And he basically the whole time is just like, oh, don't get in my face. Don't, um, I can do whatever I want. Anyway, I just I think the perspective is clever. And you know what? Speaking of which, I don't know if you've ever listened to Malcolm Gladwell's podcast. Not that he needs a shout out, but I try, I try not <laughs> to. I try not History to. History had a great, I've listened to some a great episode comparing rap and country and the intimacy of the lyrics and how they relate because they're so specific mm-hmm. and. Um, it was a great parallel that I had never thought of before. That's that's that that tracks for me. Yeah, like, like I just I mean, it, I, it seems obvious, but then I hadn't compared the two. And then the other thing I came across, which is a little bit different than country, but there are a lot of sad country songs. 
that um, people who listen to people who listen to happy music, and I'm going to get the numbers a little off, but let's say they make these playlists and they're about, you know, feeling good, going out for the night, like having a great weekend, mm-hmm. trying to get their, their mood up. They listen to those like 200 times a year. But people who make sad playlists listen to that music 800 times. Like the differential is huge. And I think it just, I think it gets to the idea that, you know, we're all looking for different ways to, you know, maybe soften the rawness of everyday life. And Mm -hmm. um, you can do that through meditating or sound baths or, you know, whatever your affluence Mm. provides, but then there's the rest of us. (laughs) And I think that, I think that music has a great role to play in that. You don't have to be going to, you know, silent meditation retreats to get there. No, I agree. And I listen to sad music almost exclusively if I have a choice. (laughs) I mean, honestly, I, I don't, I have no interest in like, Rarely am I like, I need something upbeat unless I'm working out. That's the only time my head actually considers what the, like, I don't naturally go sad because I have to go the other way. Um, and I'm very conscious of that. Mm-hmm. But Jason listens to a lot of music. Jason listens to a lot of like ambient music, music without lyrics, which I find mm-hmm. very, very difficult. Like I can't. Because Chris doesn't want to look at the man in the mirror. He needs the distraction of <laughs> lyrics so he doesn't have to listen to the thoughts in his own head. And I say run towards them, Chris. I, I think I think that might be true. But I just I find that 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 is a genre that I am unable to tackle with an open mind, even though I understand the the benefits and uses uh, for many, many people. That's like where I just can't, I just can't get there mm-hmm. mentally. My, my son listens almost exclusively to music with just beats and he, he produces a lot of it mm. on his own. Oh, okay. He listens to, he listens to genres that I have no association with at all, which is what teenage boys should do to separate themselves from a parent who used to be in the music industry. Um, <laughs> but does he think you're? Does he think you're cool, or does he think you're a freak? I think it varies day to day. Okay, okay, okay. It's a- like when he when he saw a cameo of me on Beavis and Butthead, <laughs> he thought, "Oh my god, that is hysterical." Uh, he's 15. Uh-huh. He told me his text was, "You should get your 90s haircut again." Wow! Wow! <laughs> which is not going to happen. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. But most of the time, I mean, he'll he'll rock a Tupac shirt and and bait his classmates to give him a hard time. Like, where does he get off? Like, he's just waiting for someone to ask him or tease him about it so he can turn on him and is like, well, my mama interviewed him. It hasn't <laughs> happened, but he like wears it every he, day. He wants it. They're like, bro, who? Like, all right, yeah, good for you, chief. Like, it's all good. Yeah. It's all good, man. It sounds like my kind of kid. But uh, other, most of the time, you know, I've taken him to see people who are in famous bands who have been sweet. He's a dr- My son is a drummer, and he... We were in Chicago and we went to the studio, like the the practice space and the rehearsal space of this very well-known band who was actually finishing. You can't, you can't not say the name of the band. Like you can't. No, I can't. You'll see why. And then we're pulling up and I'm like playing these songs on the radio, on my Spotify in the car. To, to say like and they sang this song and they sing this song yeah and he's like yep uh-huh okay and 
you know, I just want to like, we're going to their place. Like, could you, he's interested in the idea, but he, he's like, I don't like this type of music, <laughs> but then they let him play their drum set and gave him a pair of, did you know there were drumsticks that are anti-sweat? So they don't slip <laughs> no, out their no. hands. They gave him a pair of those and his hands really sweat. Um, he's, he's the fingerprint. <laughs> don't put him on Damn, blast. Blow it up his, are, spot. Are, his fingerprints are the ones be, a lot are on my oh, service really? tension pictures because they because of puberty i don't know why because of sweat oh, and it really it, it like, like comes, the most okay, glistening okay. ones are always oh, yeah in. when i was 15 uh, my hands were balmy and horny when i was that age so i get it okay <laughs> is that what it is it's gonna go away okay okay it goes okay. away it, it does get better it, it's good that he isn't invested in his parents mm -hmm. being cool you know but is your now your daughter your daughter is older so, so does she have a better perspective on it because she's like a little bit a little bit older and more mature or is it the same kind of shit yeah no she thinks i'm cool for okay, sure good. <laughs> but yeah but you know also like i'd ride up to pre i started because she was the first one you know, when I thought, well, I can build the perfect child, sure, sure, sure. Uh, you know, in terms of curating her, her likes and dislikes, um, you know, we'd roll up to preschool with hell's bells, like sure, sure, sure. thing out the window. And I just wanted like to let these other parents know that cool kid coming through, like, this is how I roll. And all of you who are like this come my way, but everybody yeah, yeah, else. Yes. Like, Stay away. <laughs> yes, please. We're not going to be friends just because our kids are in the same class. Mm -hmm. So she, she from a very early time knew, uh, you know, who's the drummer of this band or who's okay. the, uh, that Taylor Swift wrote that song. Mm. She's not just singing it. Um, okay. I, I felt like it was, I took her to see as many young female singers like Tegan and Sarah, et cetera, that I could yeah. so that, she would get a sense of what one does at you know with your voice and not you know be be an agent in how you were perceived and how you express yourself instead of just you know being looked at <laughs> i express myself mm -hmm. too much i wish people would just look at me and i felt like it was important that she grows up like chris and that you appreciate lots of different genres it's not. I'm not going to let you just listen to what's on the radio. God forbid, Berkeley Radio. Can you imagine? Chris loves all genres: rock and roll, indie rock, country <laughs> rock. I don't like. End, I, I have a problem with jazz. A lot of jazz. Not every slice of it. Why are you? Are you not into freaky time signatures? <sighs> I'm not into improv. I think is. A problem. Yeah, me neither. I I, pr I prefer it in the jazz form than in the comedy form, though. Sounds like you guys need a little What's smoke worse? a little fucking ranch. Little. I just went <laughs> to see Amy Schumer in San Francisco. Did, hold on, are you friends with her, or was or did you pay for this? I paid for this. Okay, I'm sorry. I mean, I didn't pay. My friend paid, and she, I and she took me. Well, Chris, Chris just wanted to know if you were friends with her before he starts talking shit. Oh, it was really funny. It was really funny. I, it was good to laugh, honestly. I don't believe you necessarily, but, but I'm sure the audience did laugh. <laughs> I think I think Amy Schumer is a talented comedian. She she can she can do her she thing, but is. it is it is a style that's not for everyone. No, sure, nothing should be for everyone. That, and then you get mainstream and really boring. That's why I left TV. I agree. I got a question for you. <laughs> How why is okay, this go show ahead. called How Long Gone? Is it so that you're 
listeners can say I'm a goner? No, <laughs> unfortunately, the listeners developed that nomenclature on their own. I would never back that. I don't love that was it. An organ- it was an organic creation <coughs> by our beautiful fans, and we love them for that. That was Yeah, that was not something we, we did not hire an agency to do that. That is all <laughs> Like organic. the best names, they just fall into your lap. They just fall. No, we just named the show um, after... Is it after the song? I just forgot, Jason. Is it after the song? Yeah, we were we were like picking out music and I was finding some like generic karaoke songs that I could put on as like intro like random funny stupid intro music for a podcast to be named and I found this like country song from Brooks and Dunn and it's just like a, you know, uh one that won't be like a copyright violation song and it was called How Long Gone and we're like, oh, listening to the lyrical content, and it was—it's a song about uh, how long a, a a man's a country man's lady is gonna be gone for. Maybe she's a truck driver or something like that. And mm-hmm. it was right when the pandemic quarantine started, so everyone was wondering how long are we gonna be wor- yeah. working uh, from I home? See, and it just kind of clicked a little okay. bit, and like every boy, so many layers. It all—it all just like happens. An onion. You know, you do you do one thing, and then it snowballs on its own and takes a life of its own. So it does have layers. Not always. <laughs> Not always. <laughs> if you're lucky, I mean, I love the name. I think we lucked out. I think that the song is like funny, and eventually we want to do you know like a covers album of the song oh yeah reinterpretations where different people are able to reinterpret Chet it. baker version <laughs> yeah we'll get we'll, we'll get a freaky time signature for you tabitha that one will be my favorite the name was just the name was a gift <laughs> and and the uh the goner thing is again not my favorite but it does roll off the tongue um and i guess it's better than swifty you know or whatever you know <laughs> the fans when the fans choose the name show me a time when it's good i i can't think of one <laughs> Well, it's funny because the fandom, I actually want to talk to you about this, Tabitha, because you existed in music journalism before people would be, you know, doxxed for saying a, a Nicki Minaj album was an eight and not a 10. And now <laughs> it's basically like any sort of criticism or even something that could be deemed as criticism is basically putting a target on your family, your pets, your automobiles, God. you know, it's, 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 I mean, it's, it's true. And I just think that it's, uh, I can't imagine what it was like to be able to kind of speak freely. And of course there, there would be feedback, but it wasn't like it is now. It wasn't all encompassing. I agree with your assessment. However, I never did music criticism. So Kurt Loder would be somebody that asked no, about I, that. But- we, n- neither of us did it for MTV for sure. However, I mean, the, the criticism was built into MTV in terms of what yeah, they were willing to play yeah, and not true, play. Yeah, that's true. But I didn't have to get up there and say, like, what this sounds like and whether it's as good as their last record or what have you. I guess that's true. But I guess that even but even now, I feel like if an interview, if there's a question that is considered yeah, in no, any way negative, that's what I mean. Because you're asking questions and you weren't it wasn't always yeah, softballs. No, like you would I, ask I, real I questions. Laugh. Yeah, you would ask would real last. questions. You couldn't handle there was it. A, there's a lot that has changed. It's been, it's been, you know, what, 55 years or something? It's been a very <laughs> long time. Um, and, the, you know, the art world is very similar. I know people who yeah. haven't, who have stopped doing art press and decided to write books instead because you cannot uh, say anything that is remotely critical. 
you, it's all part of a PR machine, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're going to get blacklisted by the gallery and then it's a whole thing. And I mean, I, I think there's, I, I mean, the, the worst thing to me is that there's no like real interviews anymore. You know, it's basically like a, a celebrity writes an essay or their friend interviews them or whatever. It's there's, there's rarely room for like the deep dive. I'm spending a week with this person and writing a real story that just doesn't really exist mm -hmm. anymore because the celebrities have the power most of the time. I agree with you, but I also think on a, you know, this isn't an immersion into the, the artist's life, but <laughs> I do find that sometimes on podcast interviews, because it's radio or, you know, I'm thinking in old time terms, but because <laughs> it's just sound that I do feel like people allow themselves to be more vulnerable and mm -hmm. more, um, open and forthcoming about things sometimes not all the time mm -hmm. but i think i think some of the stuff i've heard and and this is also because of people's um admiration of him but when rick rubin does an interview for his podcast i've mm -hmm. definitely heard artists say things that they would have never said to me True. with cameras rolling you know oh for sure it's just much more intimate right which is maybe why you guys do a lot of these without your cameras on because that probably helps we say that all mm -hmm. the time though it's like i think that there's i mean it's also even beyond cameras it's like when you sit down with someone and they're like okay we're on the record and put a tape recorder down it feels dramatic you know and it feels serious whereas i think this does feel the, the, this this as a genre is more conversational and i think that's how a good interview happens in no matter what the format is you know but i do think people are pretty are pretty loose with this and i think that like it's but i also think it's partly because it's still like a new medium thank god <laughs> we're riding the wave we're riding. <laughs> i didn't know you were such a podcast listener tabitha you're really tapped in yeah i'm pretty obsessed I mean, I think Ira, Ira Glass was my gateway drug. Your early, so your early days, you were an early adopter. Yeah, I think I'm not, I'm not so early that I probably, you know, when I left television, I thought that I would, I left television temporarily to go to Stanford on a fellowship. And at, mm -hmm. at Stanford, I, I thought that I would polish up my documentary skills and become a documentarian. And then I learned how few people watch them and how, <laughs> how you spent most of your time fundraising and I couldn't even sell Girl Scout cookies. So like I shifted <laughs> while I was at Stanford thinking, okay, actually art history is what I fell in love with photography. I fell in love with. And so when I got uh, finished, I pivoted my career and also was starting thinking about starting a family. So there were a lot of variables, but if podcasts had been available to me as a, um, a way to make a living, a career, I mean, there was Ira Glass, but that was about it. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's probably what I would have pursued, but I'm really happy that I can listen to them totally without any sort of pressure of, you know, thinking about it in terms of career. But you can absolutely do a podcast now, though, Tabitha. I, I, but that's the thing. I feel no, I, I like actually just being a fan. Mm -hmm. Also, does the world need one more podcast? I mean, seriously. Great point. Yeah. It never does, but <laughs> there's so many famous people who start podcasts or non famous yeah, people, well, and they're I, just so those terrible. Are not, those are not the ones I listen to. I know. But I'm just saying they're. Oh, of, come of on. All, you of, don't. You don't. Of, of the hundreds of thousands of people that we've talked to over the years you get to learn about like this person has it or this person doesn't and you obviously have years of broadcasting experience under your belt and you're very comfortable and on the mic and you know what you're doing and you're 
you know, you're already in the top 0.1 percentile of people who Except have a podcast. That I've already done it. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I've in a way, right? So, sure. I, I, but also I love what I'm doing now. So, I, yeah. I, and there's only, I've got kids and there's only so many hours in the day. And you don't have to tell me, honey. These little badass kids are going to be not your problem anymore, though. You know what I mean? Once he's, once he, yeah, but I, but please, I've got a plan. Oh, Everything's going to be amped up the second. Oh, I we, see. So it's you're you know, saying it, you're saying college. it's fucking go time. Once once this little bastard gets into Vassar, I'm turning it up a notch. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I think about the long road all the time. That's uh. that's very cool, actually. I mean, I think it's it's nice that that you have such a you've had a couple of of real careers, you know, and you know that there's a certain timeline, and then you can go absolutely ham. Does Does that mean Tabitha? Is that are you doing this because your parents had a plan for you or because your parents had zero plan for you? I feel like it can go one either way. Because I think for our parents, Chris and I both, our parents were like, all right, don't die, hopefully. And that's kind of that's kind of our instructions <laughs> yeah, for adulthood. I think that my perspective on the phases of one's life is definitely queered by having children. So not all women mm-hmm. have them and you can you know, think about your life differently when you don't have dependents. But I do think your children are only around for a certain amount of time in your house. Um, and I want to be available and attentive and have them feel nurtured and that their needs are met. And that is not something that you can predict and schedule. You just kind of have to be around. Yeah. So uh, I didn't want to be a reporter who was tr- flying to Bosnia, going to interview Arafat, like having my marriage be this like, us versus you know me versus you situation where we're both trying to figure out the calendar and we do plenty of that as it is Mm. now i can't imagine (laughs) if we were both traveling all the time as well so that is in the back of my head but the other thing as you jason allude to is that i have seen plenty of women who basically have a nervous breakdown when they have an empty nest so they spent you know they were like making cupcakes for the school and (laughs) driving their kids to all their soccer practices and you know, just really being sacrificing. It didn't feel like it to them. Mm-hmm. But then when the house is empty, like they get a dog. Is that going to help? Definitely not. Um, Definitely and, not. We're going to start join some Facebook and groups. And they're just completely underutilized. And that law degree is no longer current in the state. Mm-hmm. And I, I just have been exposed to people who I feel like society would be better off if they were contributing to it. Mm-hmm. Nobody lives long if you don't have a purpose. Nobody's happy without ex- having a way to express themselves. And so I have just thought about that all the way through. And I'm, I f- do feel lucky that I actually love making art. I mean, not you, you can't force this. You have to figure out you know, what you're what your love is. And when I was mm-hmm. at Stanford, I fell in love with something new. And uh, I know it's superly downwardly mobile to go from being on television to being an artist. But if it feels good inside, it doesn't really matter. I'd been on, I'd been recognized in enough restaurants, you know, if my self-esteem <laughs> was, was totally related to that, it would just be a never ending chase. You know, mm-hmm. I would be doing like tampon commercials or something at this point. <laughs> hey, those the, those pay pretty well. I mean, let's not kind of disparage the advertising community. No, of course I mean, they do. But those are choices, right? Those like, are choices. Those are choices. No, those are choices. Do you want to stay in the public eye no matter what to do? You know, there were plenty of like syndicated TV offers and creepy tabloid 
talk show things and like all. Oh, I would I would have loved to see I would have loved to see you on kind of a news magazine tabloid style program. Yeah. Those are some of my favorites. Inside Edition Tabitha with Tabitha tells yeah. all. Inside Edition with Tabitha Soren. No. That, that's nice. <laughs> we, we were talking about that actually on our live show about how Shaquille O'Neal is just doing. Every he'll do a commercial for like a regional auto insurance company and just <laughs> yeah, it's like bro you know what? he's got twelve he's a he's a professional DJ he's on and five NBA broadcasts and he's on twelve different national commercials every year. Are you chasing the money or are you you just can't live life not in the spotlight even if the spotlight is for a fucking car insurance commercial? Right. Well. I think my relationship with the spotlight is not very strong, but <laughs> my vice or, or, you know, the thing that propels me that I'm not, it does not create a hell of a lot of happiness is ambition. So that's the part where I have to go. Is, is this just like autopilot ambition that's taking over mm. or is this actually something that's going to make me happy? What trees am I barking up that, you know, are these things that are going to provide something actually earnestly useful this is good advice for us because jason is willing to kind of hoard out for any any amount of money you know and i'm a little more protective um so i think this is going to kind of this is good advice He's thinking long money i'm thinking long money but i do think that with the shack example or other celebrities like that i think it's like once you get in the vortex you're just like in the vortex yeah i don't even I think it's know. about money i don't think it's about i think it's just like this is what i do i don't know what to tell you like, i wouldn't I, know but i think you're right but that seems that's very bad because the vortex is the vortex are like the evil corporate overlords who are putting you into this carousel that won't stop spinning and then they throw you off when you're done. What I'm saying is to you, I don't think it's from their point. I don't think it's that thought out or even sinister. Right, right. I think no, it's, it's literally like, this is my job. It's like, yeah, how I don't can know. You pass my agent calls. And sometimes the amount of money is so crazy. It's like, well, how can I say no to this? You know, a small amount of mm -hmm. humiliation to <laughs> sit my, set myself <laughs> up for this advertisement or now you're this, speaking, now you're speaking Jason's MC language job or whatever it is. The money flatters you into doing it. Look, that's how it starts. And then next thing, next thing, you know, I mean, when you have more money than you'll ever be able to spend, well, that's fine. And you're just like, what do I do every day? I just wake up and a car drives me to a different right. Quixote studio back lot. And I'm like, all right, what am I doing today? Okay. State farm. Cool. All right, let's do it. And then, Next thing you know, you're dead. I want to be honest with you. It doesn't sound that bad to me uh, personally. <laughs> if it's a late model Escalade and the hours are pretty good, like I don't, I don't think it sounds that yeah, bad. Yeah, but you're the you're you you want to wake up at three a.m. and do a hundred push-ups and then you know start your meetings and then you know like yeah, that's true. That's one way to do it. I think that the modern celebrity, the beauty of it is shame no longer exists. It's completely we are. There's nothing that people won't do because there's so much that we forget the audience forgets so quickly that it truly doesn't matter. Right. Well, it really doesn't those, matter. Those people weren't brought up Catholic like myself. I've got a strong sense of shame and guilt just <laughs> hanging in every okay. decision I make. I think it's because of that. But I also think that we're all just in survival mode. We're all just like, I, I, I don't want to say no to a large sum of money because this could be my last because this world is almost going exactly. to end. No, I totally, I, I think that's especially true with female actresses because they're, I mean, Hollywood certainly has made some advancement in this way, but there are many women who have been told since they started that they're not going to get any jobs mm -hmm. past age 35. So they've got to yeah, take yeah. it all while they can. And I, I mean, that's, that's totally fair. 
I just, for me, I'm not at that level. I'm not in that industry. Oh, I don't think it's, I don't think it's bad or good even. I just think it's the reality. Mm -hmm. Like I I don't even, you know what I mean? I think it's a personal choice kind of thing. And I think you, it sounds to me like you've made the choices that make you happy and they've been successful, which is uh, a nice outcome. You know, I think that's the other, I think following your passion is something that we all, uh, are told to subscribe to. I don't know if it always works out for everyone. I was never told that when I was growing up. I, my dad was in the military, so mm. um, I was told to get a job and follow your orders, get benefits. And mm. I mean, it was a much, you know, that that is not probably advice parents would give their kid today. But I think I told, I remember telling my dad I wanted to be a writer. And he said, how about journalism? Because they get a paycheck. And that is, I think that's not something like he was not being overbearing about yeah, it, but it's, that's fair. it's like that's slight pivot, right? It's kind of the same thing. Yeah. It's like, so someone's like, I want to play the oboe and they're like, what about a drum kit or a guitar? You know, an <laughs> yeah, instrument like, where people make money maybe. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's not that bad. That's a, that's good parental that's advice. Good I was yeah. really good at it because I did grow up in the military and all I had to do was ask questions every three years to the new place that I was living, like trying to find out yeah. how the community works, how people make friends here, what are the things that this community values, mm. whether it was in the Philippines or Destin, Florida. And so if I'm sitting down with Arafat one day and Tupac <laughs> the next. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I think that's good. That's as good as you can get from a, a military parent being like, how about journalism? He's not like, go be a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or whatever the, the safest job feels like, I guess. Right. Is, is but I think when I, um, because I made money at that point, I thought, okay, well, what is, what is being on this planet about? Do I, how do I want to have time to be left to my own thoughts? Do I want to value personal happiness or just career happiness? Like when you have money in the bank, these are, dis- these are, luxuries that you can actually ponder if you have three jobs and are you know barely breaking even you don't have time to think about like what is my true calling um so i totally agree that there's privilege involved in that and i worked really hard almost 24 hours a day for many different news outlets and magazines and you know i i spent my 20s working yeah well i I bet there was some partying involved (laughs) it wasn't as much as you would think what i'm kind of an introvert i mean i went to some parties (laughs) i don't mean but i don't mean did you go to parties i meant like you 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 weren't burning the candle at both ends not in not in a social way it was it was i mean i was because i produced a lot of my own work i was working as a they used to call it a one-man band in vermont I, i was a state government reporter in Burlington and then eventually was the 11 o'clock anchor uh which was considered a big promotion yeah mm. I had like wicked, crazy air, air hairsprayed hair like a helmet <laughs> and uh shoulder pads I was like 24 trying to talk oh, wow. about like the Berlin wall coming <laughs> down and with some authority very funny. Um, and I ran my own teleprompter under the desk because the place was so cheap and sometimes like the gear was so stripped that Whoa. sometimes I would push it too hard. <laughs> and at the time, scripts were on paper in a machine and they would just whiz past my face like the whole newscast. And then I'd have to start reading off the desk. It was nuts. But you know what? When I got to M- it was all part of the universe plan because when I got to MTV and Kurt Loder needed to go on vacation and John Norris, who was his 
substitute at the time had just switched over to being a VJ and they didn't have a substitute. Uh, they pulled me up because they were like, didn't you used to anchor the news in Vermont? And I was like, yep. They're like, we need somebody for the week in rock this weekend. Cause Kurt's like literally getting, go- <laughs> refusing to <laughs> cancel his vacation. That queen. And so they pulled me into <laughs> the studio and somebody else was running the teleprompter. It was digital. Somebody was running the camera. You got it was called like up to the big leagues. Five people doing the job that I used to do all by myself. You're like, all right, so you guys want me to sit here and talk about Courtney Love for ten minutes, and the words are going to so come easy. up on the screen? No problem. And I'm I'll like, do your this. eyeballs, your eyeballs didn't go back and forth. I'm like, no, I didn't make any mistakes. It was like going through well, butter, that's cool. you know, after all of the bumps in the road and Vermont was, it felt hard. It actually did feel very hard. <laughs> I didn't know. I did not know. I guess I'd never thought about teleprompters that deeply, but I <laughs> Sorry. never thought. I Sorry, ne- that was a deep No, no, no. <laughs> no, but I'm saying now I've never realized that there was an era where teleprompters were kind of like, you know, powered by steam, you know. You <laughs> take the pages together. No, seriously. But our station also was very underfunded. I mean, obviously, sure. if I was a camera person as well as the reporter you have no uh, just think about for one second i won't go a deep dive but how do you how do you (laughs) shoot a stand-up which is the part where the person the reporter Mm -hmm. is being shown yeah if you're a one-man band you have to bring a cardboard cutout of yourself to get your focus locked when you're on location i'm I'm, I'm assuming the only (laughs) time in vermont i would use the light stand Uh, i put the top knob on the top of my head (laughs) and then the bottom knob on my waist and put it on in the foreground, uh-huh. focus, <laughs> and then see if I got my forehead cut off. Damn. I mean, it was like, if you, it is the, the story of like walking to school without boots in the snow, basically. But once you do that, you get to someplace like New York and they're like amazed that you can do what you do. There's the reason to like do it the yeah, hard way first. They're like, this is so amazing. You're so talented, such a hard worker. We won't be paying you any more money for that. But I think right. it's awesome. <laughs> we we really, think it's so awesome. You're so well-rounded. We're really impressed with what you can do. You know, these other guys show up, they can barely read. You know what I mean? You can, you can use the camera if you have Are to. Are you being facetious? Are you making fun of me right <laughs> no, now? No, 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 no. I'm dead serious. I think it's like, it's like the way that photographers nowadays you know, a lot of young photographers are like, I, you know, if they don't fetishize film, they would never, but they would never be like an assistant and learn lighting. Cause they're like, I don't need to do that. Like mm-hmm. somebody else will do that for me. Whereas like people our age were assistants. They know how to light the room. They know how to do every single thing, analog, digital, blah, blah, blah. Developing, processing, printing. Yeah. A lot of young people don't see the, don't see the value in that hmm. uh, because they didn't have to, you had to. So you, you see the value in it. Yeah. I mean, I th- definitely think my television equipment experience informs my artwork today, <laughs> but I think the thing that's more important about art or photography is having something to say. I think there is such a ubiquity to images in our world because of the amazing cameras we all have on our phones that the real achievement is finding a way to visualize what you have in your head that is worthwhile saying, first of all, make sure it's worthwhile uh, to put out there. But how how can it look a way that we haven't seen Mm 10,000 times already? 
Like, I don't, I think, I think there almost should be a moratorium on wildlife photos. Like <laughs> really like give animals a break. Everything's online. Just like, look it up. We've already seen it um, all. You're, why are you taking that? I, I like that you're an animal rights activist only when photos are in play. Like these giraffes, you can kill them if you want, but don't, don't, take don't come from my mom, Tabitha. She loves <laughs> taking photos of birds at the it's park. Just, like let them alone. <laughs> anyway. I mean, that's just, that's a super niche way to look at it, but really like, we don't need another covered car photograph like Robert Frank done. <laughs> like you just go through the visual Rolodex with you. and figure out a way to say it you're in your own way. No, I agree. And maybe they don't, they don't like my work looks, I mean, Chris, you could tell me if you agree, but my work as a JPEG looks very different from seeing it in person. And since you were at my opening, I pose that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and some people are just shooting in the ways that, oh, this looks cool as a JPEG. Right. <laughs> and maybe, and that's one route. I should be more open-minded, I guess, but that's not my route. Well, I think there's space for all of that. I think that it is like, I mean, at least for me, I think that I, as you get older and you're around this more, I find that the real job of the photographer, if they're shooting people, is the relationship. Like the technicality has nothing to do with it. It's the relationship with the subject and how you can uh well basically get them to do what you want mm -hmm. you know what i mean in a way that feels good and natural i think that's really the job um i think the technical side of it is is like a nice to have that's for the help but not necessary it's not necessary it's it's, it's more it's a lot more personality driven than i think a lot of maybe less engaged viewers like realize give us a smile pretty yeah that's it <laughs> what was i saying i was like i can't i can't smile in a photo yeah, when uh, when David Allen or Brian when Brandon Geating was shooting me, and he was like doing that, like, all right, look over here and smile, and I was like, the only way I can smile is if my girlfriend jangles keys <laughs> <laughs> like a baby. Well, uh, well, Tabitha, I wanted to, uh, as we're ending, you know, talk about your photography as well. It's a it's a very specific style of photography where you're using an old camera where you put the the black sheet over your head and it's the big poof, and then you're also including iPad finger smudges involved as well. And it's a very unique uh, form of photography that I've never seen before. So walk me, walk me through it. It'd be much easier to describe my work if it stayed the same for each project. So I think this goes to my sort of very light touch relationship with equipment in the project that you're describing is called surface tension. And that is made with a view camera, one of those 19th century machines and uh, it's it's also made with an iPad, so I liked the conceptual um, mm -hmm. dichotomy there. I love it. But I think that the the most consistent thing about my work is that it's trying to visualize psychological states. I'm trying to visualize something that you cannot actually see, and that requires me to adjust and intervene with the photograph either on top of it or in the paper itself. Sometimes I cut them up and have pieces of the paper coming toward the viewer. So they're not just a 2D object, they're a 3D object. Sometimes the newest work I'm covering with resin and the, the work kind of swells mm. towards you in different shapes. And I think a lot of photographers feel this way because of the ubiquity of images. I think we're all trying to make something we haven't seen before. And, mm. and I think that's your job as an artist to you know, go to the next level and it takes, it. you know, I'll spend seven years on a project. So this isn't something that is done super uh, fast and furiously to make a deadline. And, mm -hmm. but at the same time, it's really rewarding because I really get to think very deeply 
about the subject matter. I learned about a lot about the science of touch for surface tension. There's a lot of journalistic research oriented impulses that I still have. Mm. And those inform the work in a very solid foundation that isn't about, you know, oh, I just, you know, had this thought and isn't it beautiful or isn't this, you know, punk rock and cool. I nailed, you know, part of my uh, skin to the wall. It's, it's not about <laughs> a lot of contemporary right. art can be very intentionally baffling. And <laughs> I think mine leans more toward the sublime and more toward bringing the viewer in, looking at the work and, and unpacking their own baggage, their own psychological states into the landscape and yeah it's in like five museums across the country right now so it's it's pretty accessible to a lot of a lot of people depending on where you live los angeles i mean sorry not los angeles but san francisco <laughs> chicago boston okay it, I, I was saying it's cool that you're you're making uh photography that demands to be seen in person versus just a JPEG because that's, you know, our current generation, even old people like us just think of like, oh, this is a, fo a photograph. Let me see it on my computer and that's it. But if you're creating this type of photography that really you should see it from all the angles and it is three dimensional. I know, I know it seems snobby to, or, or sort of like uh, esoteric mm -hmm. to say that I do have a website. I pay attention to social media. I, you know, I, I'm not anti any of that, but I do feel like if you're going to have an enriched experience with art, which is what I'm trying to make, I do very little editorial work. If you walk into a quiet space, like a gallery, like Jackson fine art in Atlanta, or, you know, the museum of contemporary photography in Chicago, and you are left to your own devices and have a chance to like sort of think slow, you know, look slowly and think deeply about what you're seeing. I mean, that's where the benefit to the viewer comes. It's not about going through a slide mm -hmm. on Instagram, but I do participate in both. I just think if you're able to do that, you will see what I'm talking about in a way that maybe you won't. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, we listened to Taylor Swift on our computer, but seeing it live is just different mm -hmm. exactly. i take taylor swift any which way okay damn if i had same, as much talent same. when i was 15 you know as she did in her pinky we'd all be better off you wouldn't be talking to us right now before before we go you know we did touch on this when we we met but i feel like you might have a, a dando story to share with us oh god almighty and i just you know i couldn't <laughs> I, i'd be this is an ongoing theme on the show we talk about them all the time you know it's it's so if you have any kind of dando lore to add to the pile i mean how I, that pile is such a tall <laughs> pile already well all, you can break it off into stuff that you can legally talk about maybe that'll help <laughs> cut a big chunk off and, and get in there i can only talk about it by incriminating myself so i can't do that i just can't <laughs> like it's but mm -hmm. i did i i, I mean when I was in my 20s, like 25, like you have to remember, he was like a Greek god. Like, yeah, you just I, couldn't I know. look Don't at worry. him without like just tears coming out of your eyes. He was so gorgeous. It was ridiculous. Like, it's not even a sexual thing. It's just like looking at a work of art, just like. Oh, no, uh, it was very sexual. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it didn't transcend that. Okay. It did not. It was okay. everything. And the song, you know, I love. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Classic. I'm not the outdoor type. 
obviously, mm-hmm. as I mentioned, as the aforementioned, I don't sleep on the ground. He nailed it with mm-hmm. that. I agree. Unless Dando says. <laughs> and there was one time when we were, I think it was a blue note. He wasn't performing. I don't know who was. I can't remember. And he was high on something. And when he saw me, he picked me up and put me over his shoulder and ran around the club. And for that mm-hmm. 25 seconds, I was just so happy. <laughs> I have to say. This is the part where your husband in the other room is like, all right, babe, I think we're all done with the show now. Uh, no, he was okay, very let's... innocent. Like, he, he was out of his mind, as usual. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I just felt like somebody had chosen me out of the crowd, and mm, yeah. and it happened to be him. He picked me. And how lovely. Like, a just a liberated, like unadulterated fun. I would love to be Dando's sack of potatoes over one of those yeah, that's what, hunky I was a shoulders. Sack of potatoes on his shoulder. That's hunky. Who knew he was that strong? Yeah, I mean, after, after a hit of heroin, I can't even get off the couch. This guy's picking you up. <laughs> yeah, look, I'm going to say I've done enough coke to know that I could lift a woman up, you know? Right. So I think that maybe that <laughs> some of that Herculean strength is 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 not natural, let's say. I don't know if you had to have Herculean strength when I was 25. <laughs> no, I don't, Tabitha is, is a tiny little thing. Tiny I little thing. I don't you know, mean like I've that. always been tall. What, you go about 90 pounds soaking wet. Oh, yeah, you're, you're, you're wispy. But the other thing... You know, he's, I, nobody at that time knew, I mean, everybody knew he was a drug addict, but you just kind of, with, with all addicts in the music industry that I have encountered, you always felt like their future would include not being a drug addict mm-hmm, anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. So mm-hmm. when we're talking about Evan Dando now, like I know his sister, I know there's, it's like much more emotional. It's, it's dark. No, it's dark. Yeah. It, yeah, I agree. Know? No, I mean, yeah, if, he, if he's, yeah. if he's 25 years sober at this point, all of this is a lot funnier. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Tabitha, uh, it was a pleasure chatting today. Enjoy your time in Palm Springs. Happy Thanksgiving from how long gone. Um, and, uh, Hopefully we'll see you soon when we make it up to when we make it up to Bernie Berkeley up there. Next time you should ping me. We will. No, oh there's no one I would rather be hosted by. No no question. We will ping. Bye, Jason. Thanks for having me. Help you learn to help yourself